Chapter 16 Dead Cat Bounce Central, this is Arbiter Fogel Sharp. We've reached the scene of a shooting in Sector 44B. A silver-restricted beacon was activated ten minutes ago, and the victim has been confirmed. Medicaid evac is underway. Copy Lord Rayner on all updates. Should we rouse the Overseer? Yes. Silver, I hope you enjoyed our meeting. You may leave. The Red Baron was a full-on bastard as he gloated, but his words barely registered in my mind. The Silver Fate had proven himself a threat and a child. He suffered the consequences. I took note of little else. Behind us, the path to the door was suddenly clear. I hadn't heard or felt anyone leave. I didn't hear or feel anything but the echoes of death in a bottle. Kisco and Zax had spent months slowly draining me, and I had found enough power during that time to survive. In the Underhive, a Warp Witch had thrown a stronger curse into the mix. Her minion had turned me off like a switch. No one dared to come near me as I shuffled toward the door. Sickened by the state of my orphaned being, I loathed its presence. I was a dead man walking, and still, Silgo danced. The Grave Dancer followed its own chaotic tune. I couldn't look at Breezy. Yes, she was back now, and List was caught between the two of us without a solution in sight. His eyes lingered on her Lay's pistols, and I thought that might be the best way out. As always, the weapons were running hot and ready to go. Outside of Redwine's estate, Lalo Green pushed me away from the group, pointing down a side passage. That he dared to touch me showed his mettle. He saw the truth in it all. Get the feth out of here, Silver. Do it now. Go. A service ladder existed near the end of the appointed passage. After a 200-foot climb, I would be in 99B and could take my pick of service lifts to ground zero. But where would I go from there? Who could I face? When had I stopped drinking and why? Sector 99B handed me its same putrid stench, belching out a hint to my survival. It was for nights like this that they'd invented Starfire 69. By being unarmed, I'd been allowed a few extra moments of suffering and a glimmer of coherent thought. Service lift 48D shot upward, covering the two miles to ground zero in less than two minutes. By the time the doors opened, I had sent three short messages, mapping out the rest of my night, if not my life. The first went to Asher McNeil, canceling the morning's training session and warning her to not touch my glaive. The second went to Sandara Laveau, requesting a big favor and providing the name of a club. The third was sent to Arbiter Fogel Sharp. I didn't want him to miss any of the fun. The least he could do was identify the body. As ugly as its name, the Dead Cat Bounce was a nightclub controlled by the 99s. The alley behind it was narrow, high-walled, and didn't connect to any highly trafficked areas of Sector 44B. The place was a dive but had a loyal clientele. The patrons could be blind and hard of hearing at the drop of a hat. I didn't have a hat, but a bottle would do. It shattered in the alley beside me as the bodyguard's slug thrower clicked, blowing the intoxicant out of my hand and blessing the night with its bitter spirits. If you're wondering, that wasn't the favor, but it was good for starters. The first shot was far too kind, a small fib before the truth hit me full in the chest. I struggled to my feet, and it found me again, in a different form, laser bolts then slugs and back again. I was clad in the best body armor that money could buy, and yet it could only protect me from certain things. I let the uniform earn its keep. As the guns of Sandara's bodyguards fell silent, I found myself in the ethereal form of a hunter, 
I plummeted with a warp curse still dancing on my soul. Welcome to the Underhive. The door to the club room was bolted shut, and I found that odd. I could feel the presence of everyone inside, celebrating a bodiless wake. Blues, purples, yellows, greens, and reds. They all drank the night away, raising a toast to one less silver menace. I joined them. The Baron Redwine sat at a table, his arm dangling around the neck of Breezy while Liss stacked another empty glass in the middle. I hit the greens first, shutting off the Fate's alarm system, then the reds, mainly because of what they could do and the fact that one had my girlfriend practically sitting in his lap. Take your pick. Find your own truth in that mess. The purples, oranges, yellows, and blues were for dessert, offering energy in all its twisted flavors. Whoever had bolted the door was going to experience an incredible hangover and one extremely pissed-off gang in the morning. My money was on red wine. It was his party, and we were never going to be friends. I was in survival mode, clinging to a borrowed life, and in the distance, a group of wardens was heading our way. Perfect. I waited outside the club room's door for the Grey's arrival, wishing Zaxayas could see what I intended. The warp hunter would never go near a Grey. It lived on a curse, and so did Silgo. There was a reason the witch and her wardens hadn't stuck around for the after-party in Redwine's Hall. As the four wardens rounded the corner and worked their way up the narrow avenue, they pushed a nullifying wave of emptiness ahead of them. The Sunshine Club in Sector 39B had a mechanical wave machine. It knocked me on my ass whenever I tried to withstand its incredible inertia. I took a different approach here. Instead of letting the wave wash over me, I backed up and used all the speed of an angry blue fate to fly like a bullet straight through the Grey's trap. The Wardens were human yet gifted with an ability to completely nullify the tainted energy of the warp. Their void fields were more than sufficient. I was stripped naked in an instant. The street behind me exploded in the psychic dust of color-coded corruption and the death taint of St. Silgo. Its dance was over. I remained on the floor, a ghost too exhausted to flee. The wardens must have noticed. They spread out around me, searching for their invisible victim. Within their void bubble, I couldn't do anything but pray that there'd be something left of me to salvage in the morning. The door to the club room banged open, and a volley of laser fire flew down the avenue. A pair of wardens dropped dead under the barrage while the other two reached the far corner and escaped. Searching the broadway and seeing nothing, Breezy looked lost and unsure. At that moment, I hoped her soul had as many holes in it as mine. I'd been dumped in an instant following my demise, but I couldn't leave her there like that, and I wouldn't dare touch her. Finally, Liz staggered outside and surveyed the scene. I made my move. Reaching out, I stole enough energy for the run home. They didn't need any restraints for me this time. It hurt merely to breathe, let alone move. If I fell asleep... I could only cling to my physical body and hope an air filter in the room didn't suck the rest of me away. I had a reputation, and they had their orders. They'd pried the slugs out of my body and planned to graft over the burns of the laser charges. I was shedding pain by the second, hoping to avoid another round in the vat. I was going to need a bigger glaive. The body armor had held up longer than expected, but ribs on both sides of my chest were cracked from the impacts. Nothing overly vital had been destroyed. Pounded, sure, but pulped was still open for debate. I'd be buying another set of body armor as soon as I was released. But for now, I remained empty, unable to haunt anything but my Medicaid bed.
Arbiter Sharp showed up minutes, maybe hours after I first opened my eyes. I couldn't speak, but he explained that I was an unlisted resident of the Overhive's Medicaid. My family had been informed of my demise and subsequent recovery, but even they weren't allowed in. I thought it a good sign that he knew who I was and vice versa. Three days later he was back, placing an organic crystal vase on the table by the door. It held another flower from a plant I didn't recognize. Who? I whispered. Wouldn't you like to know? Watterson tells me you're up for answering questions, so maybe we can trade. Trade what? Sharp reached into his pocket and pulled out a calling card. It was a relic, a marker rarely used except in the darker reaches of the lower hive. It glowed under its own power, catching the eye, and it hawked the Sunshine Club in 39B. Nobody saw anything, but we found this in your hand when we arrived on the scene. As it turns out, the owner of the Dead Cat and the Sunshine Club are the same person. Any guesses? Sandara Laveau. Why would she leave her calling card? She's inviting me for a swim. Parrick, what happened? Bad business. Underhive business. Things have been relatively quiet since you landed in here. What happened in the Underhive? They anointed a new boss. Have you contacted Confessor Lewin? Not yet. We don't know who or what is after you. To me, that didn't make any sense. Lewin wasn't after me. He was after a witch and her chaotic cult. What was I missing? Did you review the video feeds from Fight Night? Yes, we know that you took down Sandara and her crew. Are you saying that they were leveling the score? I shook my head. The flower? Not my place to tell. With that, Sharp left the room. He'd be back. I was half right. In a minute or maybe an hour, another Arbiter walked into the room. She could throw curses like a warp witch, and I cringed. Nothing could protect me from her words. Like Silgo, they had slipped inside my armor and taken hold of my soul. Do it. Another truth. Sometimes I forget about the restraints on my wrists and ankles. This wasn't one of those times. I didn't even have the manners to color in my eyes. Luna wasn't in my league. She would never be. Peric. I coughed out. You were right. About what? Everything but one. I couldn't even look at her. Peric. Get me Confessor Lewin. I reached out with my mind and tapped one of the noisier machines. It was easy to irritate, and it let loose a volley of Medicaid vitriol. The effort taxed me to the point that it began screaming the truth to anyone that would listen. Medicaid attendees rushed in, and chemicals flowed through my veins, shutting me down. I still had it. As a recovering ghost... I reached the point where I could roam Sub-Zero and keep a bootless eye on things. Nothing had changed except Sandara, who I was certain was improving in appearance every day. She had an office in the Sunshine Club for a reason. I spent a spectral month there, nibbling on the toes of the bathers, but never touching those of Sandara Laveau. I owed her plenty for keeping the peace while I was gone. From my Medicaid bed, I never ventured any deeper than Sector 40B, staying well clear of the Underhive until I could comfortably walk. If I scouted the Baron's domain, he would know. They would know. And right now, nobody that mattered knew for sure. Not even my mother. I'd stopped asking for Confessor Lewin weeks ago. What I needed to share was for his ears only. And there were plenty posted around my bed. I'd told Lewin to find a Plan B. Maybe he had listened and forgotten about Plan A. The skin grafts had taken longer than expected due to special cloning restrictions regarding my noble house status. Tissue and organ donors could be grown in a vat in a matter of weeks, but the approval for such a process began with the governor, 
and went up from there. In the end, I was expertly patched up and rehabilitated. One doctor used the medical term reupholstered, and it fit. There were still some ugly wounds in my soul, healing slowly, and I focused my patience on those. I hadn't reached the psychic form of a porcupine, let alone a bear, and I hated the thought of anyone seeing me in what felt like an entirely fractured state. Ten weeks after my audience with the Red Baron, I'd had enough of the restraints in the room and the dead flower in its organic crystal vase. Even the Sunshine Club was growing old without the chance to touch the water and experience the changes in temperature on Sandara Laveau's skin. That's when Confessor Xavier Lewin finally showed. Handing me a fresh set of scrubware, he placed a finger to his lips and cycled the emergency release on my restraints. He shut off all of my monitors as I got dressed. I followed him up the hall to the Medicaid hibernation ward. We didn't go inside. He knew better. From the doorway he pointed to the nearest vat, and he didn't have to say a word. I immediately recognized the body floating inside. It redefined the meaning of life and death. I had several words queued up, and none of them were pleasant. We took the Medicaid emergency service lift down to the temple in Sector 98A. A pair of Medicaid orderlies escorted us to the offices of the Ecclesiarchy. By the time we got there, I'd realized that they weren't Medicaid orderlies at all. Confessor Lewin's quarters and working office took up its own wing, offering plenty of privacy, security, and the chance to discuss the current situation. We both had questions, and he allowed me to start with the most important. Am I still alive? Lewin smiled, grimaced perhaps. Parrick, wouldn't you be the best one to answer that? No, not at all. I was growing desperate. What's happening to me? To answer your first question, maybe. But what you saw in that vat lacks a cerebral cortex. It will never be alive. As to your next question, well, that isn't for me to say. Others have become involved. Others? Plan B others? You could call it that, but others would disagree. Does my family know? No. They think you're in hibernation for another extended stay. The clone? Yes. Obviously, there are tells if you look closely, but the vat clouds the picture. My stomach dropped through the floor. Skin grafts wouldn't have required a full-body clone. Someone was planning ahead. I'd been grasping at any connection I could find to remain, to claw my way back, not realizing that I stood on the edge of a cliff and was about to be shoved off. I pleaded, But what about the Underhive? What about the Warp Witch? My job there isn't finished. Lewin's look of pity piled on. Parrick, the witch was only a rumor. It was a way to draw you out and show what you could do. Others have ruled out the witch's existence on Fulcrum 4 and instead remain focused on you. Me? What did I do? I was on my feet, swaying in an intimidating fashion. You infiltrated the Underhive and took over the most powerful gang in Sub-Zero. I did what you asked. What's wrong with that? Parrick, you're 17. I felt far older than that, but a birthday isn't a crime. Maybe Lewin should have called my brother in to give it to me straight. I sat back down. Confessor Lewin, besides my manic Medicaid expenses and poor judgment, what's wrong with being 17? Nothing. But the trauma that you suffered as a cadet of the PDF triggered something inside you. A dark energy, a taint, perhaps. You've acquired some fantastic new abilities, haven't you? Like what? Like the color of your eyes. Your birth record states that they're pale blue. But I've seen them appear in several different shades, including marble blue and an unsettling silver. The Medici can't explain it, nor can they explain the random equipment malfunctions when you are asleep, the uncanny readings, and your ability to survive when any normal person would have died several times over. 
I had died several times over, but opted for a simpler explanation. The metacuffs are my secret. Emilio Reyna tells us that you won a round of fight night in Sub-Zero. He showed me the video. It cuts out as the knife that should have killed you pierces your ear. I'm told that nobody ever wins that weekly event, especially not a teenager with some PDF cadet training. Lewin waited, knowing I was fully caught out. I sighed. Confessor Lewin, Lord Rayner wasn't fully informed. I didn't win a round of fight night. I've won two. The second video was erased. Round two. The night Rayner's daughter was taken hostage, you saved her life. And the lives of three other junior arbiters. I killed 12 of Sub-Zero's finest citizens in the process. How? How did you do it? I'd confess plenty. I can't say. I've lost everyone and everything. Even Luna Rayner thinks I'm a mass murderer, and I'd do anything to protect her. Why? Why what? I'm not a murderer. They could put that on my death notice after they recycled my body. Why would you protect her? Isn't it her job to protect you? Well, either she's not very good at her job or I'm a hopeless case. Lewin smiled. Lord Rayner might agree with the latter. Have you seen the latest video? It was intercepted by the Adeptus Arbitus a little over a month ago. No one claims it as their work, but Arbiter Fogel Sharp has his opinion. He says Sub-Zero has become inexplicably quiet since its release, as if a bomb is ticking and about to explode. Xavier Lewin was profoundly good at his job if he could hear the ticking of my lost heart. I haven't seen the video, but I can guess who starred in it. Please do whatever you can to keep it out of the overhive. It's been locked away by Lord Rayner, but we can't guarantee that other copies won't surface. Confessor, are we being recorded now? Yes, and a live audio video feed is being beamed into orbit to a ship called the Emperor's Talon. As I searched around the room, a tiny light on the bookcase behind Lewin's desk flickered. I left it alone. Confessor Lewin, I won't be getting my life back, will I? Which one? The Silver Restricted or the Silver Boss of the Fates? I'd take either one at this point. Feth, I'd take half of one. Both, I said. And if not, can I at least have a chance to say goodbye? I've got debts to pay and a warp witch to slay. Parrick, what are you talking about? There isn't a witch on Fulcrum 4. The temperature in my veins seemed to drop several degrees as I struggled to recall my woeful, underhive encounter and its consequences. But, but I've met her. She calls herself Lady Hawn. As I spoke the witch's name, Lewin's desk began to buzz. He pressed a button, and a hidden door opened in the office wall behind him. In walked a fit man of early middle age, seemingly fresh off the battlefield based on the number of weapons and devices he carried on his person. A hell gun hung from a loop on his shoulder. I am interrogator Marsden of the Ordo Malleus. He was a brave man. He held his hand out to greet me. I shook it. I'm Parrot Kilhaven, but my friends call me Silver. What friends? Kilhaven, where and when did you see Lady Hawn? He spoke as if he knew her, and there was nothing gentle in his tone. An ex-wife, perhaps. In the Underhive, about two months ago. It wasn't a friendly meeting. You met Lady Hawn and it let you walk? I didn't say that. Hasn't Confessor Lewin shown you the Arbiter's latest video intercept? That was her work more than mine. I've seen the video, but what you say doesn't make any sense. Lady Hawn glows with the power of the Immaterium. If the Warp Witch were anywhere on this planet, our auger scans would have detected it from orbit. He had said it, not she. Feth. I like to think that I was good at my job, too. Lady Hawn has a group of acolytes known as Wardens surrounding her. They can project an impassable bubble, a void field that keeps the witch's energy from escaping outward. It masks her presence. Marsden took a second to digest that news. It uses artificial nulls? I didn't even know there were natural nulls. 
but I felt it was the right word. All I know is that it can create them. You've seen them up close? I pointed to the missing scar on my ear. You must have seen that video too. It was a warden that attacked me. They can hide their power in their weapons and go undetected, or they can project a null bubble around themselves. I've experienced both. How did it feel? Like the flaying of one's soul. Marsden nodded at Lewin and tapped a button on his wrist. And yet you're still with us. Breezy's face came to mind. She'd killed two of the greys and chased away the others, saving my life, and I'd gotten her a pain-filled video in return. I hoped it did the trick. Marsden, who said I'm with you? You only walked through that door a minute ago. I've got nurses in the Medicaid ward naming their children after me. It was a legitimate question. If I was with them, my chances of still being able to breathe at the end of this witch hunt were doubled. If I wasn't with them, those chances went to zero like a dead cat bounce.